Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Staying alive, staying alive. That is the theme uh, for this weekend. The Mariners are still alive. I know it's not a sports show. It's drive time with New York Vinny. But our Mariners, the Mariners, our baseball team is hanging in there. It's by a thread. But they're hanging in there. J.B. Crawford, it looks like, uh, the uh, young shortstop uh, for this team, has decided that he is going to take this whole thing onto his own shoulders. And it's been a a one-man hitting machine since uh, the middle of the week. And, uh, you know, this is a a team that needed somebody, something, somewhere, somehow to step up. And he was the someone that did it. And that's really it all in a nutshell. He's got to, he and his teammates got to help him out, got to keep doing this. It's uh, it's not going to be easy, but I'm, you know me, I'm one of them people, as long as there's a shot, as long as there's a chance, I'm rooting. And give them credit. They didn't lie down. Yeah, it's easy to say they should have won this game back then and this game back then and the manager should have done this and the coach should have done this and the ownership should have done this and this, that, and the other thing. But they're here. They're still in it. They're playing games that matter the last weekend of the season. And um, let's face it, that wasn't always the case uh, in years gone by. So we are, uh, we're following that closely and keeping an eye on what the Mariners are doing. The slugfest last night for, for J.P., at least, certainly not for the Texas Rangers, uh, who were just, um, I don't want to say embarrassed, but, boy, it just didn't seem like they could get anything going. And the Mariners seem like they could get things going almost at will, you know. So I know that this makes Nathan happy. Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, Vinny. Oh, man. I was at my softball game and looking at the score, and all of a sudden it's like 8 nothing. Whoa, what happened? And then I knew the bases were loaded, and I had to ask, was there a grand slam? And sure enough, somebody said, yep, J.P. Crawford hit one out of there. Well, you know, it was funny. I was out to dinner last night, and just as I got home, I got home in the second inning, and just as I got home, they started hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I just you know had the two home runs in the in the one inning to get things the offense going. After uh, you know, Brian Wu had to get himself out of uh, a bases loaded jam, and I, you know, I just when he hit them home runs, I says, "Man, this is just going to be one of those nights. This is going to be one of those nights that you look at and you go." This is this is what you know. This is what it was built on. This is what this is that one night where you look at at, at Crawford and you say, "This is the guy that got us here." Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you win something like this, and I'm not saying we're winning yet, but whenever you are competing in something like this, there's always one guy that steps up, always one guy that just takes the club on his shoulders, and Crawford seems to be that guy uh, this year. You know, so God bless him. And God bless all the Mariner fans that are sticking with the team and haven't gone on to say, uh, screw it, they're not going to win. you got to have faith, man. He's been our guy that you want at the plate at the clutch moments. You know, if we're behind, we got runners on, or any key moment where the Mariners need to score, he always seems to find a piece of grass or a piece of bleachers or something to hit the ball into, and he does it and yeah. the Mariners will pull ahead. I mean, yesterday it was just something to advance the lead, but the day before when he had that two-run double in the ninth inning for the go-ahead and walk-off win, that was really something. Yeah, yeah, that's – that's. Um, I, I, I love that kind of stuff. That's, to me, what baseball is about. I know that, that you know, there's losing and there's winning and there's this and that, and you like to win it by, you know, 20 games or something like that. But these last weekends where everybody's in it and you don't really, you're not going to know until Sunday night, probably who's going to be going where and who's going to be doing what and Mm -hmm. who's going to be in and who's going to be out. uh, Those are just great times. It's what it, it, to me, it's always what baseball is about. Anybody can be a fan of a team that, you know, is 20 games ahead in August uh, it takes a lot of steel and a lot of guts to be a fan, Mariner fan. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, for sure. You're like hanging on the edge of your seat, man, uh, with every pitch going. Are we going to make it? Are we not going to make it? Am I going to get my ten thousand dollars for playoff tickets back, or? <laughs> <laughs> and then to get your hopes up with a really long streak, and then they 
just totally canceled it out with a really long oh, losing streak. Just absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Well, this is, a, of course, a car show, not a sports show. So um, although I am kind of considering, Nate, you know, I'm thinking about this. If they do get into the playoffs, maybe doing a half-hour post-game show every uh, every um, after every game, you know, seeing what uh, seeing if we attract a few people here on the internet to to, to jump on with us. People have uh, a lot of people have talked to me this year about the fact that you know the post-game show that they have uh, doesn't take a lot of phone calls, and I like talking to people, so maybe we can rig that up at least for. Uh, one of the rounds and have some fun. Hey, that sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, if you want to join in on it, we'd be more than happy to have you, you know, join in and be part of the action. But I think that's something that that we'll do. We'll have some fun with. All right, talking about fun, let's talk about some cars because there's always fun when we talk about cars. Uh, Let's talk about the UAW quickly. It it just seems, forget my prediction of a short strike. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Uh, it seems like people are trying to make a name for themselves here. And whether it's Ford or whether it's the union or people in between, it just doesn't seem like this thing is going to get resolved quickly. I thought that Ford and the union at least were going to come to some kind of agreement this week. And today we would be talking about just Stellantis and GM trying to put things together. But now Ford has turned around and they're calling the union demands kind of nuts and so they're going to expand the strike to Ford, too. So I don't know uh, if if you need a car, this may be the time you want to go buy it before the supplies start to go down. Luckily, the manufacturer is planned for this, and there is product out there. Uh, but I just think of all the people that it's uh, going to put out of work and upsetting and so on and so forth. But, hey, listen, if the government's going to shut down, why should Ford be making cars, right? I mean... <laughs> It's like we're moving to a third world country. You know, we're not going to have a government that's going to shut down. The car makers are going to shut down. This guy's going to shut down. We're going to be here. We're not shutting this thing down. We're keeping this thing going. This is this is your good old slice of America and cars and, and everything like it. We'll keep this thing going. Got a chance to uh, go down this week and spend three days down in southern Washington at the... Uh, at the uh, NWAPA, which is our trade association, Northwest Auto Press Association, Run to the Sun and Drive Revolution down in Ridgefield at the Alani um, Casino and Hotel. Beautiful place. Beautiful place, uh, the Alani. Staff there was excellent. Uh, The service was good. The rooms were beautiful. It was really a, 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 a joy to participate in this thing they they really uh, if you're ever going down to that end of the uh, state and you want some place to stay do yourself a favor and stop by uh stop by the alani they'll, they'll be happy to take your money at the casino and uh, take a little bit more of your money and um grab your uh grab your uh money and put you in a bed they'll be happy to do that so that was uh that was really good. It, it, it was two things. It was the run to the sun, which is usually our, our road thing that we go. And we take these convertibles and we just drive around on the last sunny weekend in October. And then the drive revolution is uh, modern electric vehicles, vehicles that are making an impact tech-wise. Uh, and I got a chance to drive my first Lucid. I had not driven a Lucid before. Um, a spectacular vehicle that I was so, so impressed with. Um, they had uh, two Lucids there. They had the Air Pure and the Air Grand Touring. I think they have a uh, a showroom over at University, uh, uh, was it University Village over there? And uh, I'm here to tell you that I was very impressed with this car. I mean, there were little things that I, you know, you could be a picky you and pick them out and say, well, this may be uh, this, maybe this. But I, I got to be honest with you. I was really impressed with uh, the quality of the build, the speed of the car, and um, just a lot of different things that uh, that I saw in this car. It was comfortable. It was light. It was airy. It held the road well. 
It was great looking. Um, a couple of little weird design cues on it. Uh, but the dashboard was huge and easily readable. Check out this windshield. The windshield goes right up into the roof. So you're looking up, and that's the sun visor, and there's no – the roof is glass. And you just go – and this is on the uh, the more expensive model. The roof is fully glass, and it gives the car a feeling of uh, of airiness, of lightness about it. Uh, it's very roomy, very open. The interior is very nice. It had massaging seats that you can adjust with heat. Uh, it really was a, a very impressive car, and I know that their range on these cars uh, is up close to the 400-mile um, area. So they're they're looking at that, and I got to be honest with you, it was uh, it was a pleasure to drive this car. I look forward to driving it for a week, uh, you know, on a, on a regular test. And um, really giving it, uh, you know, taking it through the roads up here in the Northwest and giving it uh, a good test. This seemed to me to be a wonderful Tesla alternative. Uh, if you're in the market for that custom kind of car, the Lucid just seemed to be something uh, that you could get into uh, for about the same. Well, maybe maybe Tesla's a little less now with their price reductions. But it really was um, an excellent, excellent vehicle. And I was uh, I was very impressed with um, with the Lucid, and hope to uh, to drive it more. Encourage you to, if you are out in the uh, market for an electric vehicle, uh, electric luxury vehicle, that it might be something that you would be interested in taking a look at as well. Again, you know, preferences and taste and everything come into this, but this was just a really solid family sedan. Uh, that runs from the uh, you know seventy thousand dollar range all the way up to the two hundred thousand dollar range, and as I said, it's a startup company, uh, but it just the car felt solid. The car felt together. It felt like it uh, it was a, a good handler on the road in, in wet weather or dry weather. It was just uh, it was a solid car, and I was impressed with the Lucid. So uh, that's my driving impression of of the lucid the lucid air and uh except for this see this right here that back glass reminded me of like a, an 85 or 86 buick riviera nothing's perfect in this world all right nathan you got a question you'd like to ask me absolutely Vinny. let's find out what are you driving this week Ah, yes. What am I driving this week? Nathan, I am squiring around the Mercedes-Benz three-row SUV known as the GLS 580. And this is a a, a really solid um, SUV. You know, Mercedes does really well with SUVs. And uh, the GLS class is one that gives you a lot of space, a lot of room, a lot of critics uh, from a lot of these different magazines consider it to be the best luxury SUV. I'm not sure about that because I haven't driven it long enough, but it's got the Poe. It's got solid potential to be uh, that luxury SUV. Uh, uh, you know, the, the best one, the top one, the one that everybody wants to go and buy. Uh, you know, outside, it's 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 all Mercedes. I mean, it's got the Mercedes trademark shape to it. It is uh, has the the running boards. The one I'm driving has an AMG package. I'm not quite sure how much AMG is really in this thing, but it has the AMG package, and uh, so that gives you around 500 horsepower. Uh, it gives you the virtual voice assistant and all of that, that stuff, and gives you uh, gives you a, a very solid, good vehicle to. Uh, you know, to uh, to drive. And I've enjoyed my couple of days, and I'm going to take it uh, out on the road this weekend and, uh, you know, give it a give it a good, solid, uh, I don't want to say thrashing. I know manufacturers don't like it when you say that, but I'm going to take it off the road and, and test it on the, on the forest roads, which I always think is a good test of a light-duty SUV. This is not a rock climber. This is not a 
you're not going to go over logs and stuff with this, but uh, I have a feeling it'll do an adequate job of getting you up a, a forest road, maybe fording a little bit of a brook if that's what you want to do. Uh, you know, it feels it feels solid enough to do that. All right, one of my cohorts down at the Run to the Sun um, and the Drive Revolution uh, was my good friend. We have him on the show from time to time. Love talking to him. He's the past president of the NWAPA and also uh, scribes for the U.S. News and World Report. You can read his car reviews and other articles there. John Vincent joins us right now. Let's bring John in. John Vincent, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Vinny? I'm good, John. I'm good, man. It was uh, it was nice to see you this week down at the Alani for our uh, Nawapa event, uh, the Run to the Sun, Drive Revolution, and uh, lose a lot of money in the casino. It was a great event. I did not lose any money in the casino, but uh, with some of the cars that were out there, I saw a lot of money that I could spend. Yeah, that that was it. We uh, we uh, we brought together. Uh, we didn't. Uh, Nawapa did. Nick Miles and you and everybody. Uh, I didn't do much of anything really. But we brought together this group of cars that we thought uh, would be uh, solid vehicles to have in this type of competition. Northwest types of vehicles. We had twenty vehicles in all, I think. Right. Nineteen. Nineteen. Uh, and it was. Um, it was a fun event. One day we were running to the sun, and then we would drive revolutioning. Uh, it's two events that we do. We mix them together, and um, it really was a lot of fun because you get to compare these cars next to each other. You get to go into one, get out of one, go into the other. You get to talk to the manufacturer reps. It really is a way for us uh, to get to know not just the car but the manufacturer's rep a little better but also get to drive some of the the cars that you might not normally see in a press fleet. I was uh, listening to you talk about the Lucid, and uh, I am a huge Lucid fan. Um, I think that car is spectacular, groundbreaking, um, but I would not necessarily go for the Grand Touring. I might go for the uh, Lucid Air Pure, which is the base model, which we also had the event, Right. Yeah, it's um, I guess it depends on how much luxury you feel you need, right? Um, I, I thought I agree with you that the the, the basic uh, pure was uh, an adequate car uh, for anything that I would need. You know, I mean, it, it had it, it it the range is what I look for first. It had, I think, close to 400 miles of range, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it it was a vehicle that was roomy. It was um, comfortable. It held the road good. Uh, I was very impressed with the way in the wet weather it held the road. And um, I, I don't understand why anybody would not shop this, uh, especially somebody that was going out to shop a Tesla. Uh, why wouldn't you look at Lucid? In my mind, this is a better Tesla Model S than the Model S because the uh, Tesla Model S is at this point a pretty old car. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange to think that, but at this point, yeah, the S has been around for, what, 10 years now, is it? Maybe even Pretty more. Close. I mean, they've updated it, obviously. Yeah. But it's yeah. been around in its same basic platform for the better part of a decade. The, the only thing that was a little strange with the Lucid, and I, I was saying it just before I introduced you, is that that back window reminds me of that 80s Buick Riviera. <laughs> it looks like they took it right off of it. and Somebody went to a junkyard and said, that would look good. And then one of the reasons I would pick the Pure over the Grand Touring is the glass roof is great on a nice cloudy day, but on a sunny day, uh, that thing cooks you. Yeah. I was thinking that too. Is, is I was trying to figure out was there some kind of I don't know, and was I just missing some kind of shade that came down or some kind of? There isn't one. There is one. There is not one. There is not one. That's a mistake. That yeah, uh, uh, you know, here we don't have to worry about it too much. But on a, on a hot day or a, a ninety degree day, uh, that air conditioner is going to be working overtime. And when you get in that car, it's just. There's no hiding the seats or anything from it. 
Um, but uh, that Grand Tour we had had uh, the longest range of any EV you can buy today. It's 516 miles. That's amazing. That's amazing. What what else did you like about it? Because it seemed to set itself apart in a couple of places. Number one, the design. But it also seemed to me uh, to be more spacious, more comfortable. For a big guy, it seemed to have, and maybe this was just me, wider seats, a better seating position in that particular car. It, it just seemed like it was thought out well for larger people. I, I agree with that. Uh, the seats were exceptionally comfortable, um, whether you're in the front or whether you're in the back being driven. Um, those seats were fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see those executive seats. I was reading through their stuff, and there's, uh, I guess there's a configuration that they sell with these reclining executive seats that massage you. And I got to tell you, man, if I'm going to take a long trip and somebody's going to be driving me, <laughs> you need that's to get it where I want to be. Uh, it, it, it has I, the executive seating package in it, and it's um, sumptuous. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I'm, I'm starting to wonder if seats are getting too comfortable in cars. You know, with the massaging, how, that, how long will it be until somebody falls asleep while they're watching YouTube on their <laughs> with their seat? Well, as long as they're in the back seat, it's fine. Yeah, as long as they're in the back seat. Well, you know, with the Tesla, I guess you could be in the back seat and still uh, driving it. Um, what else is not a self-driving car, no matter what the company says. We, we had a, uh, a a nice bunch of cars. What really impressed me is the first two vehicles I drove were stick shifts. Uh, I can't remember the last time I went to an event and drove two little. Now, these, granted, these were two little sports sedans, but. Uh, I, they were surprisingly wonderful in that you got in it, you pressed the clutch down, and you went. And um, it reminded me how much I missed driving stick shift. Yeah, it there was, were uh, there. We had three of them with sticks in the car. Uh, four, no, yeah. three, three. Yeah, uh, the GR Corolla from Toyota, the um, Honda Civic Type R. And the grown-up version of the Honda Civic Type R, the Acura Integra Type S. Right, right, right. And and a pleasure to drive those things. If you're an enthusiast, I mean, I notice a lot of people just want to slap it down into drive. But, you know, for uh, for guys that have been around for a while and women that have been around for a while, um, you, you like getting in the stick shift. and it, 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 feels, it always feels to me a lot more connected. Exactly. I agree. You know? Yeah, you have to be involved with driving the car, which sometimes I think is missing. Even when you you have the push button transmission and everything, or the little dial, uh, you don't get that connection to the car that that you get in the uh, in the stick shift, where you have to you know use both your legs and you, you, you know it's different too. It's just talking on the phone. Put them in a stick shift car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your uh, what was uh, what was some of the cars you liked uh, out of the uh, nineteen that we had there? Um, I fell in love with the electrified Genesis GV70. Um, the yeah. GV70 as a gas vehicle is fantastic. Um, it's even better as an electric vehicle. Genesis really has done a great job with uh, really with all of their electrifications. I mean, I haven't driven one yet that. Uh, that I've said, ah, this doesn't this doesn't quite work from the you know the the ninety with the orb, uh, you know, down to the seventy. I mean, they really uh, they really have gotten what it takes to to electrify cars and to have uh, to to produce a car that that doesn't take anything away from the automotive experience because it's electric. Correct. Um... The GV60, which is their entry-level electric car, and it's basically their version of this car behind me, um, that car has a unique look, but once you get past the looks, it's a it's a great electric car. It really is. Um, what was your favorite sports kind of sporty car? Which one did you, you push through the curves a little bit? Oh, the Integra Type S. The Acura. It's... I love that car. I would buy that car in a moment. 
Yeah, it was a sharp car. I loved the Corolla. I loved the, the GZ, the Gazoo Racing, uh, whole Toyota thing. I mean, I, I doubt you can be able to buy one. Uh, they'll probably be in such demand. But I love uh, how the Corolla drove. I, I It drove great. It was exactly what that car is supposed to be performance-wise. My only problem is getting in that car and feeling like I'm in a base Corolla. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. In previous years, you'd get in a car and you wouldn't look at if it was a base type of car. You'd almost take that as a, you know, radio delete badge of honor, you know. And nowadays, uh, maybe we're a little spoiled. We get in a car and we want to see all the bells and whistles, you know. And if it doesn't have it, um, you kind of forget those days of, uh, of, uh, Frank windows and you know not a lot of insulation and everything and when when cars were when the it wasn't a sports sedan and it was usually a coupe uh, was kind of a stripped down version for weight and they didn't have a lot of the you know a lot of the stuff you wouldn't get a console you just get a stick shift sticking out of the floor uh, right. in some of those cars and uh, now the expectation is. Uh, is uh, that uh, you're going to have uh, everything in there plus, which is going to add weight, but that's what people expect these days if you're going to buy one, right? Well, just at the the, the price of that car, um, you expect a little bit more differentiation from the regular Corolla lineup. Um, maybe yeah. not to mention bells and whistles, but just a different look and feel. Yeah, kind of like the Civic. When you get into Civic, you know that you're driving a different... Exactly. Yeah. You really know that you're driving a different. Uh, uh, there's just a, an air about that car in the interior and the gauges and everything. It just has that different feeling. You're right. You get into the Toyota, and uh, you know it, it, it's almost like you're driving Grandma's Toyota. Um, it, it just goes a lot faster than Grandma does. Exactly, unless Grandma's, you know, from the first little old lady from Pasadena, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. What, what's you know? People have asked me, "What's the purpose of this event?" And, and I, you know, you're you've been organizing this thing for years. What what is? I mean, I know we get to drive groovy cars around, but what's the ultimate purpose of this event for for the public? What 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 will the average listener to this show eventually get out of us participating in this uh, in this 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 feast of cars, this buffet table of cars? So we all drive these cars for a week at a time, but we rarely get to drive them back to back to back. And that's where the differences in these cars really shine. Um, what an event like this allows us to do is get that experience and take that experience back to our readers, viewers, um, listeners, um, that, you know, this car is great, but right next to this car, here's the differences. Yeah. Yeah, it's really going from one one to the other. Now, uh, forgive me for asking this because I'm going to uh, sound probably a little stupid asking this, but I know with Mudfest, we give out awards. Do we give out awards for these cars? Uh, we do. Um, we have not uh, sent out the press release yet. It will come out Monday morning. Ah. Uh, and the results are surprising. 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 Uh, let's, let's see. D um surprising boy that would have to make me think i'd have to look up and down uh to think about that so that means the volvo s60 recharge won everything right well honestly <laughs> that car could have won everything um i will spoiler alert it did not but uh that's a 455 horsepower volvo wagon with all-wheel drive and volvo safety what could possibly be wrong with that car that's that car is yeah the ultimate sleeper. Uh, yeah, a, a solid. I mean, it's like having a 427 Biscayne or something like that. You know, I mean, it was a really uh, a solid car. Uh, does Volvo need a car like that to, um, I, you know, it's amazed me how much Volvo has fallen. Uh, you know, when I, when I first got to the Northwest, you saw Volvo's all over the place. It was the car. Now, Volvo's a uh, brand now. Yeah, it's it's it, it just seems like it's gone away, and I don't know if I attribute that to uh, less and less Swedish people here, or Nordic people, or the fact that um, uh, that Tesla and Subaru 
have produced cars that have caught people's fancy more or just in general um I, I, I don't it's always shocked me a little bit as why as to why Volvo has fallen out of favor in the Northwest. I think its consumer tastes have changed. Um, there are still some cars in the Volvo lineup that kind of hark back to that original Volvo ethos. Um, the XC60 SUV, the uh, V90 wagon, um, those are, you know, those are kind of your traditional Volvo cars. But Volvo has a sister company now, Polestar, which just does electric cars. And Volvo has been able to tap into a lot of their technology and bring it down into their plug-in hybrid vehicles to provide both the Volvo experience with a whole lot of performance. Uh, I recently drove the Volvo S60 Recharge, which is a plug-in hybrid sedan. The one I drove was black, uh, with blacked out wheels, blacked out headlights. And I described it as the Dodge Charger for somebody who doesn't want to get as many tickets. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, well, and listen, let's face it, quickness now is something that people are looking for, especially in these electric cars uh, or pl plug-in hybrids. You know, people are now getting used to the fact that these cars move. You know, they, they, they have a quicker, um, they just move faster than gasoline-powered cars. And it seems to be, um, I mean, I don't know what, uh, you know, where it's all going to wind up if the cars that we get when they start making some lower-end electric cars uh, are going to be less performance-oriented. But I know I get into the Chevy Bolt, and that thing moves out just as fast as a Tesla, you know, a normal Tesla, not a... Uh, it's or, quick. Or a Lucid. Yeah, it's for a little car, for any car. It's, Let's uh, talk about the Honda Civic Type R which is great and incredibly fast, and a Kia EV6 GT with pushing 500 horsepower will leave it in the dust. Yeah. Yeah. Kia, Kia and Hyundai and Genesis have really, um, really kind of stepped up their game when it comes to electrics, haven't they? They really have gone all in on electrics. Uh, they do have some hybrids in their lineups, which are very good. Uh, some plug-ins in their plug-in hybrids in their lineups, which are very good. Um, they're kind of uh, hedging their bets by getting into every different segment. Yeah, um, yeah, they just seem to be. I mean, the quality is is obviously uh, good. Um, you know, save for the recalls, but the recalls aren't on the electric cars or the hybrids; they're on the gasoline cars. Um, but yeah, they're just very complex. Every car is going to have recalls. It's yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, but I'm just impressed with their uh, electrification program because it just seems like they they have gotten it. I don't know. Now I had heard somewhere that there was a partnership with Samsung or something like that uh, with the electric stuff. I don't know if that's true or not. It was just something that I had heard, and um, it seems to me that if that's the case, it's really benefited uh, Kia and uh, and Hyundai and Genesis. Their big challenge right now is getting battery factories um, online in North America as fast as they possibly can because they they have a problem in the marketplace because the cars are not built here yet, the battery packs are not built here yet. So if you buy a Kia, Hyundai, Genesis, you can't get the uh, federal tax credit. Ah, yeah, so that, that puts kind of a crimp in their style, I would say. It does. It, it essentially makes their cars cost as much as $7,500 more than everybody else's. Well, um, yeah, it's kind of a, a weird formula. This one's made here. The battery's made there. The United States products here. You need to be an accountant to figure out what you're going to get a tax credit on or what you're not going to get a tax credit on. And it tends to change every day. What, um, what were your two favorite vehicles? Uh, in this whole thing, what, give me a run to the sun and give me a drive revolution. Uh, run to the sun um, would have been the Acura. Yeah, uh, the the Integra Type S, um, the run drive revolution, the Genesis GV70 electrified. Yeah, yeah, those were uh, those were two. I was really taken with the uh, the Lucid. Uh, the AMG SL too was a, I mean, it was a big, fat, overgrown car, but it was, you know, it was like that, um, 
like the Dodge, you know, uh, what was that Dodge that we had, the, the Ram pickup that we had a couple of years ago at Mudfest? I mean, it had like 700 horsepower and no practical person would buy it, but yet everybody wanted to drive it. The Ram TRX. <laughs> the so TRX. The, the Mercedes that was there, the Mercedes AMG SL63, it's a fantastic car, but to me, it's just not an SL anymore. SL started as super lightweight, and there's nothing super lightweight about the new no. SL. No, that's a big fat car, man. No matter how you slice it up, there's another car that we need to talk about here. Okay, which one is that? And that is the biggest improvement in the car market of any car that we had there was the Toyota Prius Prime. Yes. A year ago, had we talked about the Prius Prime, we would have lost our automotive journalist cards. Uh, the new Prius Prime is incredibly good. Great range, looks good, it's quick, it's the un-Prius. Yeah, I said to, uh, I think it was Brenda, I might have said to one of the, one of the reps, I said, they took a Birkenstock here and made it into like a, a, an, an espadrille, you know, a beautiful, modern, cool shoe, you know, um, that Prius was was so the Prius Prime. I mean, the Prius itself, as it just sits by itself, has become an impressive vehicle. But the Prime really, you know, knocks it out of the ballpark. Uh, they're not jokes anymore. The, the Prius, you want one? No, they are not a punchline anymore. They are um, the car that will leave your your car in the dust because they're quick. Yeah, they're quick, and also they're stylish. I mean, they look good, people. Uh, when I was driving, when I was sitting down here at the waterfront in Edmonds, and people continually stopped and looked at what is that? You know, well, they want to you know, Prius. <laughs> and when you tell them a Prius, they go, "Wow!" It was. Uh, it's amazing the job that Toyota has done with it. The only problem is, is you can't get one. I think you're starting to be able to get them again. The primes are a little tough to get, but the regular Priuses you can get. Yeah. Um, the other problem with that car is it was the car of ride shares of Uber and Lyft, and it's not well suited for that role anymore. But Toyota has the Corolla Hybrid and the Corolla Cross Hybrid to fill that role now. Yeah, the, the Corolla. I mean, the Corolla is the is the I don't know you want to call it the Chevy Nova of our generation. I mean, it just you know it's it's a solid car. It'll run for three hundred, four hundred thousand miles if you take care of it. And it, it gives you everything you need in a car. No one has ever gotten in trouble with their parents for buying a Corolla. No, <laughs> not even a G, well, maybe the G, uh, the the, the Gazoo, the, the, the GR, yeah. But even so, maybe mom and pop aren't going to be reading the car craft magazines and stuff like that. Um, let's quickly uh, talk about the UAW strike. What's your? Uh, I said short strike. I don't know what I'm talking about. It seems. It's going to be a long strike. Um, it's going to be expanded um, this week to hit more Ford factories, to hit more GM factories. Um, Stellantis is a little further along in their negotiations, so the union's giving cutting them a little bit of slack. But still, they have expanded the strike to parts distribution centers around the country. Yeah. It's not just going to affect those people looking for new cars. It's going to be affecting those people who have to get their cars fixed in Seattle, Washington, and Portland, Oregon. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get parts. Uh, one, of the, one of the reps were telling me that they were going to spend um, Thursday in a parts plant, packing parts to uh, to get out to dealers. So it's going to, especially if you have a recall on your car, uh, it could be years until you get the darn thing fixed by the time they catch up. Um, it's, it's frustrating to me how, you know, the union employees are getting their union benefits but right. the people in the communities that this is affecting are not. And it's right. going to destroy some communities. And that's pretty sad to see. Right. And we all know people that live in Michigan and live around where these plants are, Toledo and so on and so forth. And, yeah, the the person, the waitress that works in a coffee shop uh, where all of the uh, all of the union workers go, maybe for lunch or for, you know, deli where everybody buys their sandwiches or the supermarkets or or the decisions that have to be made about doing monetary things when you don't know what your um 
you know, part of being in a union is you know you're going to have this money every, you know, every couple of weeks. There's going to be this amount. It's going to come, and it's going to be solid, and you're going to get the contribution. Now you don't know. You're you're kind of teetering out there, and people will say, well, yeah, but look at the, you know, they want a 32-hour work week uh, for 40-hour pay and this and that and the other thing. But I don't know. I, I tend to still be on a union side here just because – I think there should be a more equitable distribution of income uh, with these car companies making as much as they are. But I also understand the other side, the research and development that has to happen too. I agree. Uh, I think that um, some of the automaker executive pay has gotten well out of hand. Um, There are a whole lot of risks that the automakers have to take over the next few years, and they're going to be very expensive. It's, I'm unsure about how the increased price that they're going to be baking into cars is going to allow them to compete well with automakers from around the rest of the world. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, one of the things we look at too is is how, um, you know, the average price of a car, I can't imagine it going down after the strike. I can only imagine it, uh, you know, that average sale price on a car is going to hit $50,000 by the time we're, uh, we're done and finished with it. I, uh, I think you're right. And if I'm a, um, if I'm a Southern governor or the president of Mexico, I'm salivating right now because I can talk to those new car companies, those new battery companies and say, Hey, put your plant here. That won't happen here. Yeah. Come, come here. I mean, you know, I, 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 like I said, I support the union, but there has to be, you there's, know, there's if, if, you, if you screw it up so bad that the company decides to just move all of its stuff out, I mean, we're basically repeating what we did in the 70s and the 80s, right? Exactly. I mean, we, we've learned no lesson from that. Exactly. Uh, well, you know what, John? It'll it'll at least we'll have jobs following it for a long time. <laughs> it'll it'll all work it'll out. Work. But, um, it's going to be a little painful to, as it gets worked out. Yeah, yeah. Tell us where we can find your uh, car reviews and your stuff, John. So you can find me at usnews.com. That's US News and World Report, uh, where I am leading the automotive testing team. There you go. That's where you can read John's stuff. And uh, uh, we will, on Monday with Mikey and Vinny, we will give you the winners of the, uh, unless you want to tell us now. I, I can't. There's this little British guy who would beat me up if I did that. Oh, he, he couldn't beat anybody up. You kidding me? We, we could hold him like this and he'd just be, he'd, he'd be like that. All right, John, thanks a lot for joining us, man. I always appreciate your time. I always appreciate talking to you, pal. Thanks, Vinny. This was fun. All right, John. See you later, man. John Vincent from U.S. News and World Report uh, joining us here on uh, Drive Time Radio. Let's jump right into our cartoon. I know it's uh, a little bit uh, – we're I always run a little bit behind, but let's get the cartoon in. Uh, let's uh, – you know, to have everybody together this week, uh, our Nuwapa thing, it's not quite a car club, but it's a bunch of people who love cars and write about cars and – uh, want to tell people about cars, and so it's like, in a way, our little car club. As our car club from the Beach Boys released uh, next week uh, in 1963, October 7th, 1963, they released uh, Little Deuce Coop was the name of the album, and that song was on it. It was an album of great. Matter of fact, it's really considered to be by some people. Uh, the first concept album in rock and roll history because it was all centered around cars and car clubs and the California beach lifestyle and really um, really brought out something uh, that had been on a small scale in California but introduced the rest of the country to the Beach Boys and to the, uh, the hot rod scene in Southern California and the car clubs and so on and so forth. So uh, that, that's our uh, Saturday morning cartoon. We do it every week because music and cars go together so well. You can find a complete list of our Saturday morning cartoons on Spotify. Uh, just look for Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Uh, 
and you'll see our uh, our list that uh, we've compiled of, uh, I don't know, there's probably four or five hours worth of songs on this. So if you're working on your car in the garage, uh, you certainly can, uh, uh, you know, get a shot at uh, taking a look at those cars uh, and listening to those car songs, I should say. All right. It is Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. Let me get a chance now to uh, jump into uh, my favorite feature of the show, the Drive Time Radio Road Test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ah, uh, yes, we pace away here on uh, on uh, Drive Time Radio as we get up toward the 9 o'clock hour. And I got a chance uh, last week to drive the 2024 GMC Canyon uh, AT4X. And this is, uh, this is a great truck. Uh, I, I love the Chevy Colorado. I think we talked uh, about that a few months ago when I drove the uh, the Colorado. Well, the AT4X, I think, gives you uh, a lot of what you're looking for in that truck that will take you off-road to the top of the mountain that is ready to jump in the mud and, uh, and, and have some fun. If you're looking for a car that's a mudder, this is a mudder. This is, a, this is your car that... Uh, gets right in there, gets down, and gets dirty. If you buy this car, or this truck, I should say, uh, you know, do yourself a favor and buy a pressure washer at the same time, because I think it's uh, it's going to um, it's going to do you right. As I said, part it's it's the twin of the Chevy Colorado. Uh, both of these were launched back in 2023. Not really a lot of changes to the 2024 model. There is a uh, an uh, AEV edition to the AT4X that I was driving, and that gives you AEV 17-inch wheels, 35-inch Goodyear mud terrain tires, stronger skid plates, steel bumpers, and it gives you a little more height, uh, about 12.2 inches of ground clearance. It gets you up off the ground. You pay a price for that. Uh, you know, this thing is north to $70,000. Uh, for this, but the other part of that is you don't have to run out to the uh, store and get a million different uh, aftermarket parts uh, for the car. The thing that really impressed me about uh, the uh, AT4X was uh, the interior in this uh, in this beautiful car. I mean, it, it really you open up that door and it's a two tone. Uh, red, actually three-tone, red, black, and white interior with, uh, you know, a nice white dash pad that goes along the front. It really was impressive. This is one of the most luxurious truck interiors that I had been in in a while. And uh, it, it just gave you the, a luxury feeling. It, matter of fact, it almost gave you one of those feelings where you, you almost didn't want to take it through the mud. You know what I mean? Like you get this nice, you know, you got white interior panels and things like that and seat uh you know seat covers and stuff and all of a sudden you're taking this thing through the mud and you're going i don't want to get this thing it's so nice looking but you do everything washes out and um you know and and, and it's nice when you're on the road to have that kind of luxury uh to be able to uh you know to to feel like you're uh, you're not in a truck like you're in a car and that's one thing that the gmc delivers to you so you have uh, you know the car feeling you have the uh, off-road focused uh, equipment on it that makes you feel like you can take it through almost anything between the height the clearance and uh, the durability of the shocks and uh, the suspension components and um power wise uh it really it um it cooks it really does i mean it was uh it's a 2.7 liter inline four, uh, 310 horsepower, got eight-speed automatic, rear-wheel drive standard, but uh, the one I had had the four-wheel drive, and it gave you more power and more torque. And I think it has a 7,000-pound towing capacity as well. And uh, it really it, it gets it moving. It gets it going. You don't feel for uh, – you're not tromping on the gas pedal to try to get on the freeway. It gets on – and get uh, you know the combination of the gears and the um, 
the motor, uh, the horsepower of the motor and the torque get you into the, the flow of traffic pretty easily. It also handles well, not just off the road in the mud, but it handles also very nicely on asphalt. It feels solid. It's a chassis in there, so you get that uh, solid feeling. Nicely um, uh, built steering, and the brakes feel like they'll stop it. They look like they'll stop it from the outside, and they feel like they'll stop it from uh, from the brake pedal. Uh, nice lined bed in this thing, and one of the things that uh, GMC has included on this, and I think is a very, very good idea, is, you know, the top of the tailgate has a, a ruler on it. So if you're using this thing for construction, you're going to, um, you know, you, you have a ruler right there. You know, it's one of those little things that you think, oh, what do I need this thing for? But when you need it and you're running around for your tape measure, this could be a good thing for you. 18 miles per gallon city, 23 miles per gallon highway uh, on the two wheels and 17 and 21 on the all uh, four-wheel drives um the um and it runs on regular fruit fuel uh digital clusters all kinds of great um equipment in here as far as uh google assistant the only thing that i didn't like about this really that really bugged me is general motors has seen fit to put the light switch you know the headlamp switch in the in, in the infotainment center so you have to really like kind of look around and punch the thing up and you have to turn the vehicle on because you have to activate the screen to turn the lights on and off. And I think it's a it's an over, you know, like like, like it's an over complication of what should be the simplest thing on the vehicle. Turn on the lights, turn off the lights. Instead, you got to go through three or four moves to do what a switch did before. Maybe they're saving money with the switch. I don't know. But I do know that it, that it turned into it at some point uh, during the week a royal pain in the butt to try to turn the lights on on this thing. As I said, this the, this vehicle runs north of uh, seventy, uh, I think it was seventy-two thousand uh, dollars for the AT4 X trim. Uh, the hitch view and hitch guidance system on this vehicle is uh, really uh, an excellent, excellent option. And if you're going to tow anything, it's something you should definitely consider. Uh, getting on this vehicle uh, three years 36,000 mile warranty and the powertrain covers five and 60 and you get complimentary maintenance uh, for uh, uh, the first year or actually one visit for the first year so that's it the GMC Canyon a great truck if you want something it'll be comfortable on the highway you take you to the top of the mountain without a doubt you should be sliding into this vehicle and giving it a shot that is going to do it for another edition of Drive Time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to John Vincent and to Nathan and to George Jackson, our good friend George Jackson. And we will catch up with you next week at 8 o'clock if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise right here on Drive Time Radio on 1150 KKNW. Have a good week.